Father, this morning we just come before you. Just humble hearts before you, Lord, and we just sing, Great are you, Lord. Worthy of our praise. God, you're good. Father, this morning we just choose to just to honor you with the songs that we sing with the worship that we bring this morning. And Father, we pray that as we just continue in our service, as we hear your words spoken to us, God, that speak to our heart. God, do what you want to do in us. Have your way in us, Lord. We love you and we give this service to you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Second Samuel chapter 9. We are going to get David knocked out one day. But it's going to be a while yet. We've got some real interesting stories in front of us. And this is one of them. So today's a cornhole tournament that's throwing a beanbag through a hole. It's kind of like horseshoes, but it's not. You can play it inside. So if you're not interested in throwing a beanbag through a hole to help kids go to camp, then you can follow my lead and just give $25. Because at the end of the day, that's really the whole goal of it as well. So uh, not to inflict any guilt, but if you've got guilt about not coming and participating, $25 will take care of that guilt. <laughs> I told Sean when we put it on the calendar, I said, I'll give $25 not to have to play cornhole. <laughs> but I hear it's a real fun game for those who like to play it. I did see a video not too long ago of in Georgia, I think it was, that there was a major brawl with people playing cornhole. I hope it wasn't a church fundraiser to send kids to camp. I'm not sure what it was for. All right. Next week, we'll do the Lord's Supper, by the way, as we prepare for the Holy Week and for uh, Good Friday. We'll have our crosswalk. And then, of course, Easter Sunday, we'll have two services and we'll celebrate the risen Lord together. 2 Samuel chapter 9 is about God's kind of kindness. Kindness is used three times in this chapter, in verse 1, 3, and 7. The Hebrew word is hesed. It is translated in other places, loving kindness. It's translated grace, mercy, favor. Hesed in the Old Testament, the equivalent New Testament word, is grace. And oftentimes people generally understand God's kind of kindness as unmerited grace. A few thoughts about this God's kind of kindness before we begin to talk about this story here. I'm convinced that there's far more unmerited favor running around than we realize. God's people are at it. Now, not too long ago, I was sharing, we're actually, I was attempting to be able to share the good news with this gentleman, and he was hung up on a couple things, and one of the things that he was hung up on was, how can God be God and with all these bad things going on in the world? You know, and he was just, he was hung up on that, that he just doesn't see it, he doesn't understand it, he thinks it's fairy tale because the, he says, in his opinion, the world's a mess, it's getting worse, and, and there just can't be any, there's no evidence of God. And I stopped him for a moment and I said, 
all right, I, I get your question, understand. I said, I think I, could under, I can explain that, but let me try to explain it to you another way. So you'll keep on listening to me, it was my thought. And I said, uh, have you ever considered how bad the world would be if God wasn't at work? I mean, you think the world is bad now, and you hear this story after story of bad things happening in the world. Imagine how this world would be if God did not exist, if we're just evolutionized and it's just random and it was an unbelievable miracle that we're here. I mean, you know, you don't have to watch too many nature shows to go, how in the world can they explain that these animals do what they do and know to do what they do? Off the coast of Peru, have you seen those birds that dive down and catch the, the mackerel? They dive bomb. It's the craziest thing. There's millions of birds on this coast, and, the, and, and, and they know when they need to fly out miles. And when they get to a certain point, these mackerel are just bubbling around, and they dive bomb them and, and eat them and come up. It's, they go down 20, 30 feet to get those mackerel. Now, the thing about it is, is somehow or another dolphin know when it's time to come and surround those mackerel and force the mackerel to the surface. And so these birds are dive bombing and these dolphins are coming up from underneath. It's the craziest thing. Bad news to be a mackerel, right? <laughs> but the birds survive and they go miles out in the sea for this to happen. And the dolphins survive off this mackerel, and, and there's so many mackerel, they're surviving off or something. I don't know what they're eating, but they're in a bad place. And, and God's made all that happen. There's these flamingos in the continent of Africa that they know when it's going to rain in that big salt desert they have out there. And there's something that because it's, it's without water for such a long time, there's some kind of something that when it does rain, it's what those pink flamingos need to, to make more pink flamingos. And they fly for hundreds of miles to that spot, and they know it's going to rain. And they're there a day after it rains, and they're able to find, and that's where they have their offspring. And then the, the thing drives up, and then the offspring has got to walk, it says sometimes, 50 kilometers to a place where they can get water again. And because the little babies can't fly yet. Now, how did that just happen? And there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of stories like that. But for our reference today, I think those kind of supernatural, unbelievable stories about this planet, about this life is this. There's so much God's kind of kindness flowing through people. It's overwhelming evidence that the only explanation is God. I mean, we have in this world people that can be like Hitler, Idi Amin, you know, all those people, Pol Pot, and, and all those people that have done such horrific harm to people. And on the other hand, you've got people that are just doing good for people. Now, I could name names, and I'm not going to do so today, but in our congregation, we've got a lot of people, many people that are just doing kind things for people. 
I know about one family that has literally, for the last several years, taken a family under their wing, and it's a family that, that has health problems, it's a family that just can't seem to be able to get everything going in the right direction, and they've made sure that they know how to fill out all the right paperwork to get this help, that help, how to handle things, how to manage things. Now, there's lots of problems along the way. There's lots of trials and struggles, but, but I can't imagine what that couple, what that family's life would be like if not for this family. We have people in our church that have put their life on hold to bless others. That's God's kind of kindness. And, and it's all around us, and there's far more than we realize. And I think that was that man situation. Something else to think about here today. It's a healthy thing to consider all the kindness God has and is showing you. I was overwhelmed this week thinking about all the kindness that I've been shown, that we've been shown as, as family here in this church. Just kindness, just unmerited favor, undeserving, completely undeserving, unearned. People just saying, I want to bless you. I want to strengthen you. I want to help you. I want to make a difference. Sometimes it's a word of encouragement. Sometimes it's, it's a gift of some kind. Sometimes it's just help. Sometimes it's just saying, hey, man, we were thinking about you, and, and, and we want you to have this. We've just been thinking about you, and we just want to know how we can pray for you. We've just been, you know, wondering about your situation. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a liberating thought to consider how much kindness God is showing you. It's also healthy to realize that God's kindness is being revealed through messed up people the most. Now, I think it's easy to say we're all messed up. We all have struggles and wounds and hurts. But there's no question, there's no question to me that people that realize the grace of God in their own life are most likely to be showing God's kind of kindness to other people. I believe that. Now, Jesus said to the woman that came and washed his feet in, in Simon the Pharisee's house, that people have been, who have been forgiven much, forgive much. They love much. And that is just God's way. People who are broken, people who are messed up, people who are wounded, they give much. They love much. They show God's kind of kindness. And as a pastor, I've already said this, but to say it a different way, to get it hopefully register. As a pastor, I have observed through the years that messed up people that enter our doors and give us an opportunity to connect with them for the Lord have the most potential. Those people that got it all together, not much we can do with them. They run a race with this only a short period of time because they got it all together and they don't like being reminded that they're messed up. But when we understand that we are messed up and we are desperately in need of God's grace, man, the potential for that person in the hand of the Lord is nuclear, explosive, no telling what could happen. So. When we go through this story, if you recognize that you're like Mephibosheth, as we go through this story, and if you identify to some degree with David, 
Man, leave here today with this thought in your mind. I'm not going to waste my hurt anymore. I'm going to increase the dosage. Your hurt, your wound, your, your, uh, your, your difficulty, don't waste it. Don't waste it. Discover who it is out there that God most likely has already put in your life. How can you show them God kind of kindness? I have a broken clock on my back porch. And I looked up there this week and I said, I ought to take that porch down. I mean, that clock, I take that porch down. I ought to take that clock down and put one up there that works. But then it just dawned on me. No, that, that, that clock shows who you are. You're broken. But you can be right twice a day. <laughs> That's grace, isn't it? We're broken. We're wounded. We're messes. But we can be right every now and then. And that's King David. Chapter 9, verse 1. One day David asked, Is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? You remember Jonathan? Saul's son. David's buddy. David's friend. David's confidant, the one that helped David so much. Jonathan suffered from being Saul's son. Saul couldn't stand David. You remember in our study of that? And so one day, David just wonders. Now, it's after a time of peace. It's after a time of victory. And I reckon he's sitting on his back porch. I hope he's not sitting on the roof yet. He's going to get in trouble with that a little later. But he's just kind of wondered about how things are going. And he just wonders. He asks the question, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness to for Jonathan's sake? He summoned a man named Ziba who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba, the king asked? Yes, sir, I am, Ziba replied. The king then asked him, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Ziba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he, the king asked, in Lodibard, Ziba told him, at the home of Makur, son of Amiel. So David sent for him and brought him from Makur's home. His name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect David said, Greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. And David said to him, Don't be afraid. I intend to show you kindness. I intend to show you kindness because of my promise to your father Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather Saul and you will eat here with me at the king's table. Now, David, 
Let's review David a little bit. David is a mess. David is wounded. David needs counseling. David is not stable. He's up and down. His clock is broke. But every now and then, he's right. We've seen David be right for a couple chapters now. And then in a couple chapters, we go, how in the world, David? You finally had things going in the right direction, and you just so easily gave in to temptation. And he experiences pain because of giving in to that temptation. But the lesson that we can learn here is this. God's kind of kindness is beyond us. It's always beyond us. Our kind of kindness is within us. It's within our ability. It's within our skill set. It's, it's within our time frame, right? We can do some things that are kind, but it's not God's kind of kindness. This kind of kindness is beyond us. And, and God's kind of kindness seeks out those to show that kind of extravagant kindness to you. David sought this out. Now, that was placed there by the Lord. When the Holy Spirit begins to cause you to have these kind of thoughts, is there anyone in the land I can be kind to? Is there anyone outside of, of, of my world here that, that I need to reach out to? Is there anyone within my world that needs to experience a little bit of God's kindness? That's from the Lord. And so here it is, David, just trying to figure things out up and down a roller coaster. And he has a wonderful God kind of thought that comes from the Lord. Romans 3 says, none of us in our own flesh seek out good things. None of us seek after God. None of us will ever wake up on our own within our own flesh and say, today, I'm going to make some good, well choices. We're always controlled by that flesh. But with the Spirit, we have those kind of thoughts and those kind of ideas. It's from the Lord. When you have a thought that is absolutely extravagant God kindness. It's grace. Act on it. Give it a shot because it's not from you. It's from the Lord. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. God's grace, His kindness never sits still. It's always reaching out. And that's what we have here with David. Is there anyone out there still alive from Jonathan's family that I can show God's kind of kindness to? Yep, there's one fella, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth, he's hurt, he's wounded, he's crippled on his feet. He's also lived in low Debar. Well, let's go get him. Let's help him and, and let me fulfill the promise I made to his dad. God's kind of kindness. Then we pick up Mephibosheth. Now, it says that he was living in Lodabar. That means in the pasture. What that really means is, is that Mephibosheth, for good reason, is living outside of the kingdom. You know why? He's scared to death of David. Wouldn't you be scared to death of David? What has David done? He's killed lots of people. 
What has David done? He, he is now the king. Wouldn't it make sense if you've watched The Godfather, right? Of course, he didn't watch The Godfather, but if you've watched The Godfather, you know, when you take over the chair and you take over the, be the head of the family, what are you going to do? You're going to, it's man's way, it's man's nature. You get rid of all the opposition. And, and the story of the Godfather that's so uh, human-like is this. You get rid of anyone that might want to take revenge on you. And so if you killed someone's grandpa, you better go find the grandsons and get rid of them because they'll come after you. And so Mephibosheth, he's not a fighter. He can't move around. He's got crippled feet. He's got to have other people help him. And so out of fear, he leaves David's kingdom. He's in the pasture. He's living outside of Israel. He's hiding from David. And guess what? He assumes the worst about the king. Verse 8, Mephibosheth showed respectful and exclaimed, bowed respectfully and exclaimed, Who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? Whoa. He knew, didn't he? Mephibosheth, man, you talk about real low self-esteem. You talking about being subdued and beaten down by his circumstances. I mean, he is afraid, he is respectful, and he goes, man, who am I that you're going to show such kindness to a dead dog like me? The king summoned Saul's servant, Zobin, said, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and servants are to farm the land for him to produce food for your master's household. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, will eat here at my table. Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Ziba replied, Yes, my lord, the king, I am your servant, and I will do all that you have commanded. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table like one of the king's own sons. He goes from a condition of thinking about himself, I'm worthless. I have nothing to offer. I'm a dead dog. No value is a dead dog. And because he was touched by unmerited favor, he goes from being aliened, a castaway, a social reject, to not only living at the king's palace, not only being cared for by his own family and having enough land with enough crops to meet his need every single day for the rest of his life, but he also has a spot at the king's table. Verse 12 says, Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, from then on, all the members of Ziba's household were Mephibosheth's servants. Mephibosheth 
is hiding, wounded, afraid, and without hope. Much like all of us before we were touched by God's kindness. In a spiritual sense, what God has done for Mephibosheth through King David is exactly what God has done for us through our King, Jesus Christ. We were wounded. We were lost. We were separated from God. We were unforgiven. We were in our sin and controlled by our sin. And the result, the wages of that sin was spiritual death and separation. We did not have a seat at God's table. We did not have a right standing with God. We needed to hide from God. And we did hide from God. But Jesus came and God did for us what David has done for Mephibosheth. And he did all the work. What work did Mephibosheth do? Nothing. Not one thing did he do. Yet he was, his life was completely changed. He was overhauled and he's given the seat at the Lord's table. That's what God's done for us. And so we can identify with Mephibosheth. Verse 13, And Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both feet, lived in Jerusalem and ate all the time at the king's table. God's kindness elevated Mephibosheth from the wilderness of despair to a seat at the king's table in his palace. So here's the picture. And here's the beautiful thing. And here's one of the things that reveals God to people most often. Who in your life is wounded? Who do you know that's broken? Who do you know that's afraid? Who do you know that's without hope? Who do you know that has a difficult time facing the day each day? has a hard time moving and shaking and moving forward. It's someone that needs God's kindness. There are people around you, all around you, who are messed up, who are wounded. And since you were wounded, and since you were messed up, and since you are often still wounded and still messed up, and the only difference is you now have a seat at the king's table, it is God's way, it is God's passion, it is God's desire that we give away what we have received from God. So a homework assignment this week. Look around, Lord, who do you have for me? Who do you have for our family? Who can we show your kindness to, Lord? It doesn't have to be big things. It doesn't have to be money. It can be. It can be something big, but it just doesn't have to be. But it's something that God would have you do that simply says, God has loved me, and so I now love you. And that's what God wants his people to be about. And frankly, that's what God's people are about. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's a life invigorating thing. Man, if, if, if you're struggling with things like anxiety and depression and 
and sorrow and despair, the very best thing you can do is help someone else. It's God's way. The very best thing you can do is look outside of yourself. So when you go home today, do some soul searching, do some thinking. Ask that question, is there anyone that I know that I can meet, that I can show God's kind of kindness to? And watch the small doses of grace make a difference in people's lives. Now, if David did it, we can do it. Don't waste your hurt. Let's pray. I just pray, Father, that you will ignite us to be a mighty force of people that touch others with grace. Lord, we are grateful, we are thankful that you have touched us, that you have blessed us, that you have given us unmerited favor. Lord, I recognize your word shows us over and over and over, we can't sit on it. We do not have the right to just enjoy what you've done for us and hold on to that and keep it to ourselves. I pray, Lord, that your spirit will speak to each family member here today, each brother and sister, and Lord, either say, keep on doing what you're doing or begin a new work in someone's life. For your glory, Lord, for your glory, Help us to surrender and be people that give away that unmerited favor. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing, and ushers, please come for our offering.